You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. I'm here to tell you that God is a healer. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Amen. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to forgive sins. He wants to give us newness of life. Amen. He wants us to be reborn in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. He wants us to become full of his own spirit inside of us through the sign of speaking in other tongues. Yes, God wants to do this. He wants to do this now, and he wants to do it through you. I'm telling you right now, God is alive, and he's never been bigger, and he's never been greater than before. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ is being preached everywhere on the internet and I like it. Let's keep preaching. Let's keep telling. Let's keep sharing. Let's keep posting. Let's keep retweeting. Let's do everything that we can. Back in the old days, we used to chant and sing in Bible college, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party won't stop. Let me tell you this. There's a greater party now. It's called the watch party because you know what? The watch party does stop. (laughs) You got to have an ending and a beginning to some of these parties. But yeah, thank you everybody for hosting great watch parties of your church services and other church media things that are going on. I want to talk today about the resurrection. You know, when you start talking to people about healing, miracles, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, oh, their eyes light up. Uh, It's very, very common for people to see faith and have faith in those type of things. But you really want to get some eyebrows raising, some uh, blinking eyes, some speechless mouths. Start talking about the resurrection. The resurrection takes deeper faith. It takes deeper wisdom, deeper understanding, deeper knowledge for it to sink in, for for people to believe it, and for people to accept it. Really, the resurrection, it is a message that separates the true disciples from the not-so-true disciples. You take a look in the New Testament, in the early church times, whenever the apostles and prophets would go and preach into those pagan cities, many of them would mock the teachings of Paul concerning the resurrection. They thought it was crazy. They thought it was out of this world. But let me just tell you this, all those who mock the message of the resurrection will one day wish they had it. But for those of us who do believe it, for those of us who do receive it, For those of us that hold on to that, there is going to be a day, that old song we used to sing, it's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day shall be fulfilled. I'm Justin Gleason, and I approve of everything that I just said. Welcome to Spirit Signal. It's great to be here again with all of you fans and loyal listeners of the spoken word. Let you and I stay connected. Please consider subscribing and giving a great, fantastic review and rating. Also, follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. Please share, repost, add to your story, retweet anything you see about Spirit Signal. You can also contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. This generation is looking for something epic to connect them to God. And I believe Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason is a great supplemental resource to make that happen for you. 
Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason is hosted in the Midwest here in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, we're reaching all across America. Our top five states. Number one, Missouri, my home state. Thank you so much, Missouri. I love you. Go Kansas City Chiefs. Second of all, the state of Michigan. Up there in the beautiful state of Michigan. Thirdly, shockingly, is California. God bless you, California. I could totally go for some California tacos and a walk on the beach. California is beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. Fourthly, down in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. I love Texas. Great cities down there. Great people. There's a great apostolic presence in that state. We love you. Thanks for listening. And then fifthly, just to the west of me, the state of Kansas. There is no place like home. Internationally, we're reaching nations around the world. Coming in at number one is the beautiful nation of Ireland. God bless you, Ireland. Um, I won't get into this, maybe another episode, but a lot of my family heritage is found in Ireland. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, God bless you. And uh, we hope that our episodes are continuing to be a blessing to all of you in the United States and around the world. One of the beautiful things about podcasting is listeners get to enjoy quality talking, but being passive about it, meaning they don't have to talk back. It's relaxing to hear somebody else talk. Yeah, there's a time and place for good music, but I think for those of us that are wanting to get good information, get good insight, we like to hear somebody talking about deep things, especially the things we discuss here on Spirit Signal, and that is God, Bible, and Church. So you'd rather just listen passively, meaning you're not going to talk back to me. You're probably never going to message me. You're probably never going to comment to me. And you know what? I am very okay with that. I'm usually that type of listener. But it is always nice to hear back from a lot of you. Right now, I'm staring at a wall. I'm staring at my computer. I have a cup of coffee, and I have my microphone. So it's nice to hear back from some of you. Uh, One of our listeners, uh, she sent me a message, and she said, Pastor Justin, when I was listening to one of your Spirit Signal episodes, She said, I felt the physical presence of God move in my car. She described it to be like a wind, literally felt the physical wind, the presence of God in her car. And uh, thank you so much. She she knows who she is. Thank you so much for sending me that message and letting me know about that. Uh, that That is fantastic feedback. Because if God is not moving in this, then I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a part of it. But uh, we believe through prayer, through much study, uh, through great preparation for this, that God will move as you listen and will uh, open your mind and open your heart to the deep things of the Word of God. So if God does anything for you while you're listening to this, uh, please uh, contact us. Uh, Is anybody else during this COVID-19 season blanking out? I know I am. You know, I get in my car and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go put fuel in my tank I'm going to go to the post office, and then I'm going to head to the office. I get my car. It's like 6.45 a.m., and I go down and drive to my favorite barbecue restaurant here in town. And I'm like, what am I doing? I didn't plan on coming here, but just in my deep subconscious, early in the morning, I've got my mind on barbecue. I miss my favorite barbecue restaurants. (laughs) 
I mean, people are getting in their cars and going to destinations they did not intend to do. People are putting their phones in their refrigerator. They're throwing their uh, keys in their mailboxes. They're doing all kinds of things. Things are getting misplaced. And the best way I can describe this is we are like all in suspended animation. We're like in some type of alternative reality. And this is a good sign because our brain is rejecting COVID-19 to becoming our new normal. It will never be our normal. And what I'm predicting, my prediction about COVID-19 is it's going to be forgotten because we're going to get through this and we're going to overcome this. And the United States of America and various pockets of the world are going to come back stronger and better than they were before. So I'm looking forward to when all this is over. I'm on record for predicting a 60-day lockdown, about a 60-day lockdown. So it, it began in the middle of March. So around the middle of May, things will start uh, looking better, back to normal. That's what we're believing. That's what we're praying. That's what we're predicting. And uh, I hope to see it happen in Jesus' name. But let me tell you a story that happened uh, here just, just a, a week and a half ago. I was driving to the office and my car was parked at the traffic light. I was waiting for the light to turn green. All of a sudden, bam! I look up in my rear mirror. My car uh, shook. This car behind me rear-ended me. Hit me pretty hard. This person was probably going about uh, 10 to 15 miles an hour. That may not seem like much, but if you're hit 10 to 15 miles an hour when you're at a dead stop, you feel it. So... I didn't panic. I just get out my phone and I immediately call the police to get them over there, keeping my eye in the rear view mirror at, and assessing the situation. You know, sometimes in those accidents, you get in a hit and run. Sometimes it could be somebody who is uh, mad at you wanting to cause trouble. I recommend not getting out of your car immediately. Figure out if you're safe. Call the cops. So that's what I did. I kept my eye on this car and I look up and it's a lady. She buries her face in her hands, and I can see her just weeping. I mean, she's just sobbing. I can just see in the rearview mirror without even hearing her. I can just see she is sobbing. So the, the cops are, are dispatched. I just watch her. She opens up her door, and she calls out to me, Are you okay? And I get out of my car, make sure there's no traffic coming. I waved her, and I, I, I said, I'm okay. Are you okay? She said, Yes. So I walk up, I, I put my phone on video, I walk up to the back of my car to video to see if there's any damage in my car, any damage to her car, and there's absolutely not a scratch. If you want to know the truth, I think the back end of my car actually looked better after she hit it. But I come up to her and she's just sobbing, she's just crying. She said, she said, oh my God, I am so sorry, I'm so sorry, I don't know what's going on, this whole COVID-19 has just got me going crazy. She said, as a matter of fact, I was listening to a Christian podcast. I was trying to turn on a Christian podcast, and I looked down, and then I, I just hit you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I wanted to say, okay, that's real smart. Hit somebody with your car and say, I was listening to a Christian podcast. But uh, you probably shouldn't uh, tell people that, by the way, if you get into an accident. But I... I kept my social social distance, but I looked her right in the eye and I said, you know what? It's okay. No damage done to my car. No damage done to your car. Everything's fine. I don't want to have any hassle today. No harm done. No damage here. We're going to be okay. 
But uh, you got me really curious now, and I asked her, I said, you like to listen to Christian podcasts. And she said, you know, ever since this COVID-19, I started listening to Christian podcasts, and it seems like the only thing that's giving me any type of joy or happiness. And I said, well, uh, today's a good day for you, because I am the host of Spirit Signal, a Christian podcast, a God, Bible, and Church podcast. My name is Justin Gleason. And I told her about the podcast, and she was so excited, she picked up her phone and searched for me right then and there and pulled it up and subscribed. So her name is Katie. Um, Katie, if you're listening to this, um, I want you to know I've been thinking about you and praying for you. And we're going to get through this COVID-19, and everything is going to be okay. God bless you. I think we as Christians need to be patient with the world. We need to be patient with each other, but we also need to be patient with everybody that we come in contact with. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it through this. And uh, everybody's blanking out. So let's be kind. Let's be courteous. Let's continue to keep our peace and to show Christian love during this time. This is Resurrection Signals, part number two. In the book of Luke chapter number 17 the Lord Jesus says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rise from the dead. This passage of scripture is a real story. It is not a parable. And the reason for this is you look at some of the other teachings of Jesus. Anytime the Lord would speak a parable... He would use the term certain man. Certain man was a common phrase used in a parable. Uh, 
A parable is something that's not so much fiction, and it's not so much nonfiction, but it's a story that could very well be true, and it probably did happen, and it was used to convey a deeper meaning. But Jesus here tells an actual story about a rich man and a beggar man who both die and what their fate is in the afterlife. Now, Jesus was human, just like you and I, but he is also the Son of God, and he knew all things. All things were put into his hand. He had deep understanding of the spirit world, deep understanding of heaven and hell, and he knew the fate of all the souls of men. So Jesus would know whose soul went where and what occurred in those type of places. Okay, You know, in the reading the Old Testament, there really isn't a whole lot of teachings about the afterlife. A little bit here and there. But you get to the New Testament, the subject of heaven and hell, life and eternity, the spirit world, all of those things. It comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. Because that's the message of the New Testament. It is the hope for eternity. When this life is over, you will arise. Will you arise to the resurrection of life? Or will you arise to the resurrection of death? The rich man. The rich man. People in New Testament times, uh, if you were able to wear purple, you were considered very rich because purple was a hard color to come by. Purple came primarily in that time, in that early century, from murex shellfish. These were a type of sea snails. And they would get the dye from these shellfish, and they would dye linen. And that is how they would get these fine clothing. Very expensive, very pretty, very beautiful. Only the rich could afford them. Uh, Purple was very extravagant, very, very expensive. Okay? It also says that this rich man fared sumptuously. And this means that this rich man ate gourmet food every day. Gourmet food that was both local and imported every single day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, lots of snacking, all gourmet. He fared sumptuously. This man Lazarus, in the Greek, that means God is my help. Lazarus was a beggar. He did not fare sumptuously, but it describes him as being a man very ill. He had sores all throughout his body. His skin would not heal. These were a type of warts, infections, boils, tumors, cysts, goiters, shingles, you name it, something like that. He had constant open sores in his body. And the scent of his blood would attract the dogs to come and lick his sores. Now, dogs back then were not domesticated little animals that you put sweaters on at Christmas time. No, dogs did not belong in homes at that time. Dogs were a wild, a pest, and a nuisance. This man attracted dogs because of the scent of his blood. He was disabled. He could not work. These sores caused him to not be able to work. It was a major, major handicap and a major, major setback. The Roman government at that time were the only people that could authorize somebody to beg. Not just anybody could beg. 
you had to have a physical handicap to be a beggar, a licensed, authorized beggar. You had to have something wrong with you that completely hindered you from being able to work. The Romans loved work. You weren't considered a man if you worked. If you wanted to beg because you were lazy, they wouldn't allow it. They would actually probably end up killing you. But if you were um, uh, handicapped, if you were disabled, they would give you a certain garment that you could wear as a sign that you legally can be at this gate to beg and hope that the goodwill and the charity of the people would be bestowed upon you. You know, you take, for instance, blind Bartimaeus. When he hears Jesus is coming, he cries out, Yeshua ben David, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy upon me. And what does it say? When he stood up, he took off his garment. That would have been his beggar garment. It was usually a it, primarily uh, a black garment that beggars would wear as a sign that they are authorized by the Roman government uh, to beg because of a disability. These people were not lazy, but they were simply disabled and could not work. These open sores in Lazarus' body were considered, according to the law of Moses, to be unclean. It could have been a possible sign of leprosy. It also could have been at that time considered some type of punishment for sin. And according to the law, only animal sacrifice could atone for those unclean sores. I am a uh, avid reader of the Talmud. It's a collection of oral traditions of the Jewish sages. A lot of writings that Jesus would have been familiar with, the apostles would have been familiar with. There's various places and instances when these uh, teachings from the Talmud are referenced. Uh, never read it cover to cover, but it's something that I, um, you know, use in reference and search for. And I've done some studying in the Talmud, and there's some very interesting things written in there about beggars, especially in the city of Jerusalem. The Talmud says that the doors of the temple and the doors of walls surrounding great cities were never cleansed or sanctified because those afflicted with sores sought shelter under those city gates. Shelter from the sun, shelter from the rain, shelter from the elements. And because those afflicted with sores who were brought there, anytime they would bring a sacrifice or something into the city to offer up to the Lord, the beggars would thrust their fingers through any opening in the gate, like near the bars, near the hinges. Uh, sometimes if they could uh, find maybe some type of opening in the wall, they would stick their hands through the walls and hope that as the priest uh, there in the temple were offering a sacrifice, when a sacrifice was made, that the blood of that sacrifice would possibly splatter on their fingers so they could be healed. That is what they hoped for and looked for ultimately was some type of atonement from, from a sacrifice so that they could be healed, which this explains a lot why uh, he was often carried to the gates of the city, not only to beg, but hopefully the blood of somebody's sacrifice uh, would, by random some chance, fall upon him so he would be healed. Think about that. They were looking for healing and life in the blood of the sacrifice, which is what Jesus would later fulfill and become. Praise God. 
It also says in the Talmud, a rabbinical tradition, a story about a man named Nahum. Nahum. In Hebrew, Nahum means comforter. Nahum lived in the time of the first century. He was a teacher and a rabbi who also had disciples. He was blind in both eyes, crippled in his hands. He had crushed legs and a body full of sores. He had sores covered all over his body. Nahum was said to live in a small old house that was ready to fall apart. He laid in a bed. He could not walk. He could not move. His disciples would come in, and he would teach his disciples laying in that bed. His disciples took the legs of the bed and put buckets of put put the legs of the bed in buckets of water to prevent worms from crawling up that bed and reaching the rabbi Nahum's body. His disciples feared that their rabbi Nahum, his house, would one day collapse. So they begged him that they would be allowed to remove him from this house and moved into another. He instructed his disciples to first remove all of his belongings, but they contested. But Nahum insisted that the house that he lived in would not fall as long as he was in it. So his disciples removed all of his, the belongings in his house. And then lastly, they carried out their master out of his house. And it says in the Talmud that soon as they got out of the door, the house collapsed. The house collapsed. It later says that the disciples Nahum considered him to be an upright man and a great teacher. But they always questioned him, why was he afflicted? And Nahum told the story to his disciples that one day he had many donkeys, food and drink. He was a very blessed man. He had delicacies. And he was carrying one day some precious possessions to share uh, with his in-laws, his, his wife's family. And on his journey, he came across a poor, hungry beggar. And this beggar wanted just something to eat from him. And he denied him these things. And when that happened, he was stricken with this condition of open sores in a body that could not heal and recover itself. And so he taught that if you're able to provide for somebody who's in desperation and in need, you must do so lest the same fate falls upon you. So this was a story that the people back then would have been familiar with. And you look at Jesus telling a story that is very similar. And who knows, this Nahum could have very well been this uh, beggar. The name Lazarus in Greek translate God is my help, or God uh, shall support me, God is for me, things like that. And in the Hebrew Nahum, God is my comforter. Could very well be the same man, but just with a different translated name from Greek into Hebrew. Who knows? Who knows? Jesus says that this beggar, Lazarus, died and he was carried into Abraham's bosom. But the rich man was buried. Now, Abraham's bosom is nothing that originated here in this story. But Abraham's bosom is also referenced in the Talmud and many other ancient writings. Let me explain what Abraham's bosom was. Abraham's bosom is a term used to describe a spiritual 
place. In the Old Testament times, there was, like I said earlier, there's not a lot of revelation of what happened in the afterlife. But they had the writings in Genesis, and it says that Abraham, that when he passed on, he was gathered together unto his fathers. Well, Abraham's body never made it back to Ur of the Chaldees. He stayed in Canaan land. He was never taken back to where his ancestors dwelt. He was buried there in the land of promise. Gathered together to his fathers, what many taught was that Abraham's soul went to the place where the dead go. You see, Adam died, nothing was said about him. Noah died, nothing was said about him. All of these other Old, uh, Old Testament iconic men and women, when they died, that's all you really heard about them. Just they died. But Abraham, when he died, there was something more to it. Abraham died and was gathered together unto his fathers. Okay? So they described this place to be the place of Abraham. And Abraham's bosom could also be said Abraham's heart or near where Abraham dwells. That's just the idea. That's all they had to go on about it. So they developed this term to describe wherever Abraham went. If you were in covenant with God, you were a descendant of Abraham, you had the inheritance of Abraham, that when you died, you went to the place where Abraham is, Abraham's bosom. Okay? So they described Lazarus to not be buried, but to be carried to this place. This is an old, Old Testament teaching that Jesus endorses, that Jesus agrees with, that in the Old Testament times, the sons and the daughters, those who had the inheritance of Abraham, went to where he was in the afterlife. According to Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian, the Hebrews called in our English word, hell, the Hebrews called that word Sha'ol. The Greeks called it Hades or Hades. Josephus writes about the Jewish teaching of Hades, Sheol or what we call hell. And he describes it as being a place where there is no light. A place where the wicked souls of the dead go to. And it's guarded by evil angels who impose temporary punishments upon all of its inhabitants based on one's behaviors and manners which they lived here upon earth. There is a place near Hades called the Lake of Unquenchable Fire, where no soul has ever been cast, but is set as a place for one to endure eternal judgment at a time appointed by God in the near future for the wicked. Josephus said that a man who was not a disciple of Jesus, a man who did not believe in the New Testament. So a lot of these writings about the afterlife that you find in the New Testament were already spoken of by the Jewish teachings and the Jewish people based upon the scriptures that they had primarily from the Psalms and the prophets and were able to form and to understand the doctrines through revelation of the prophets what happened in the afterlife. They understood that there was a place that they called Abraham's bosom, which was a place of peace, a place of comfort. It really was not a place of judgment. You read later on in Josephus' uh, teachings, talking about Abraham's bosom, he says, For the just, their soul is led by angels of the Lord, who guard the souls of men to a place of light. 
where there is no torment, where there is no great heat, nor cold, but have some enjoyment and peace in the things there. But there is still a sense of waiting for something better to come. There's still a sense of waiting for something better to come. And at that time, God will judge the just and grant them eternal, incorruptible life in a never-fading kingdom. (laughs) This is Josephus, a very secular Jew. He says there is a place in the Hebrew called Sheol, a place that the Greeks called Hades, a place that one day English people would call hell. It's a place where there's no light, where the wicked souls of the dead go and are in torment. But nearby it, there's even a place of greater torment called the Lake of Fire, which nobody has ever been cast. But one day they will be cast there for all eternity. And he says there's a place called Abraham's bosom, a place of some comfort, not a whole lot of torment. It's not a place close to God, but it's a place of peace. But it's a place where you have a sense there is more coming, something greater. And one day a kingdom will be granted by God for those who are in Abraham's bosom to dwell with him forever in an eternal kingdom. These are foundational teachings that the Jews had simply from the Old Testament. Jesus, understanding the Old Testament, endorsed these ideas and elaborated on them and gave us even greater insight into these teachings. This is powerful stuff. This is deep stuff. When you understand these things, the message of the resurrection becomes even more real and deep to you. Amen. And I just want to say, if Josephus can understand this stuff, how much more so should you and I understand this stuff? So the message of Lazarus the beggar, it is about heaven. It is about hell. It's about all of these things. But the message I think that Jesus is trying to show here to all those who heard it and all those who read it today is that your quality of life now is no guarantee of your quality of life in eternity. The pagans taught that if you learn how to acquire riches in this earthly life, that the gods would grant you that same type of prosperity in the life to come. But if you were poor and needy in this life, the gods would grant you the same thing in the life to come. But with Jesus, his kingdom, the true message of Messiah, it's completely different. (laughs) It's completely different. Your riches that you have in this life cannot be carried in the life to come. The poverty that you have in this life is not necessarily carried in the life to come. But later on in the detailed teachings of Jesus, men are recorded according to their works. They are rewarded according to their faith. They are rewarded ultimately according to their obedience. All of those things dictate the type of reward that you will have in eternity. Jesus taught, don't lay up treasures for yourself on this earth where moth and rust can corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. So yeah, what you have here on this earth is not necessarily what you're going to have in heaven. That's the message of this story. And it's also the message later on in the passage that the reality of life, death, and eternity can sink in and be too late. 
This rich man thinks, I'm rich now, I'm always going to be rich. But Jesus gives the revelation that it's not so. And sadly, this man did not realize his fate until it was too late and he was placed in the place of torment. A place that once you're there, you can never get out of because of the great gulf that is fixed between the souls of the righteous and the souls of the unrighteous. It's called eternity. And in eternity, there is no redemption offered. In eternity, there is no extension of mercy. Grace and mercy only exists here upon this earth. I like to describe it like this. Whatever you follow now here on this earth, you're going to follow it into eternity. If you follow the devil now, you're going to follow the devil into eternity. If you follow Jesus now, you will follow him into eternity. Jesus Christ came to not destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And what was going on here is this rich man did not go to hell simply because he is rich. He did not go to hell simply because he did not take care of this beggar. Oh, no. He went to hell because he did not care about God. All he cared about was faring sumptuously. All he cared about was living for himself. But this beggar in this passage and the other things that I've talked about in external history wanted sacrifice. He wanted to be healed. He wanted to be made whole. And he would go at the gates of the tabernacle, go at the gates of the rich, just to find some type of sacrifice, just to find some type of atonement. And of course, I believe that he uh, was righteous in his own way. And the souls of the Old Testament, from the time of Adam all the way to the last soul, which would have been the thief on the cross, were gathered together under Jesus Christ according to the Old Testament law. And they're in paradise to this day. And maybe we'll elaborate on that some other time in another episode. But this is a deep and powerful message about a man named Lazarus who was a beggar, who was sick, who had nothing, but he made it to Abraham's bosom. He was then welcomed into paradise by the Lord Jesus Christ and then will ultimately appear in the resurrection and glorification when the kingdom of God is manifested. That day is not now, but I say unto you that it is near. Praise the Lord. Jesus tells this very important parable and gives great revelation and deep insight of the afterlife. But then you read later on in the book of John, chapter 11, about another Lazarus. And it's not Lazarus the beggar, but it's actually Lazarus the brother. Lazarus the brother of Mary and Martha, who became sick, sick unto death. He was urged to go and pray for him, but Jesus would not. Lazarus finally died. And when he died, everybody in an indirect way, blamed Jesus for his death, saying things like, if you would have come, he wouldn't have died. These sayings, this type of attitude, this type of spirit moved the Lord to tears. And they were not tears weeping over the loss of Lazarus, but he wept because of the unbelief of his disciples. I want you to think about this right now. It's not fun knowing that somebody doesn't believe in you. When you're trying to accomplish something, when you're trying to do something, 
It is not comforting to know that people don't believe in you. I got to admit, in preparing for uh, this podcast, launching it, I floated the idea out to some people and I got the feeling, the feedback from them, they didn't really believe I could do it. You know what? That's not a good feeling. But bless God, I did it. (laughs) And look who's talking now. It's just not fun to know that people don't believe in you. But when you have somebody that believes in you and says you can do it, go for it, that builds faith in yourself. That builds confidence in yourself. And God is the same way. He wants people to have confidence in him because he's got the power and he wants you to believe that he has the power. That's why Jesus wept. The people were not believing in him and it was discouraging. He also wept because he knew ultimately where that type of unbelief will send people. It will send them to hell. Whenever you lack faith in God, lack faith in his ability, and the fear and the doubt sets in, guess where that leads to? It leads to the devil. It leads to hell. It leads to sin, and it leads to destruction. That's why the Lord wept. And then, ultimately, deeply, what was going on there? I believe the Lord was weeping because Jesus knew what would happen one week later. He would die. He would be buried and he would be resurrected, and he knew that many of them there present would doubt that resurrection. This resurrection of Lazarus in John 11 was a setup to lead people to faith in Jesus' resurrection that would happen one week after that. But sadly, so many people doubted. But to give them a resurrection signal, Jesus did call out to Lazarus, Come forth. And his body that had been in that tomb for three days and the decay and the corruption came so much so that there was a horrible odor. The people even said it. It says that he stinks, our Lord. His body is dead. But Jesus Christ came teaching and preaching that I am the resurrection and I am the life. And any man who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If any man believes in me, He will never die, but live eternal. And when Jesus called out to him, Lazarus, come forth, he came forth. Praise God. Praise God. I want to go back to what I said in the beginning. It's easy to have faith for somebody to be healed. It's easy to have faith for somebody to have a miracle. It's easy to have faith for somebody to be baptized and have their sins washed away. You get to the place where it's easy and you just believe that somebody's going to receive the Holy Spirit by the sign of speaking in other tongues. But this idea of the resurrection in the Bible to this day, doubt surrounds it. There's just something about thinking about eternity that brings a question mark to the human mind. This idea of heaven, hell, lake of fire, New Jerusalem, all of that, that message is ultimately the final test in Bible doctrine if you're going to believe it and accept it or not. This season of COVID-19 is unlike anything I have ever seen. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this year, beginning this decade, it happened right around the time of Resurrection Sunday. It occurred between the gap of the resurrection and the ascension, a time in the Bible where there was so much doubt and so much confusion, and Jesus is just randomly appearing 
at certain moments, at certain times to his followers. A time of uncertainty, a time of confusion, a time of the followers of the Lord while he was living to having to really dig down deep inside and find out, do I really believe this or not? That's the message of the resurrection. It's a really sobering, sobering reality concept, whatever you want to call it. Do I believe this or not? Do I believe this or not? Many in this world are looking at this COVID-19 and saying if God was real, there would be no COVID-19. Many are looking at this pandemic and the collapse of the economy, the loss of jobs, the hardships, the tough times, and they're saying, if there truly was a God, this wouldn't have happened. If Jesus really is alive and he really resurrected, then why are all of the troubles happening? There's so many during this time, the idea that God is dead is really what is on their minds. But I say to you, God is not dead. If anything, man has become dead to God. This world right now needs to hear the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ more than anything. Because bad things happen. Bad things happen. Car wrecks happen. Earthquakes happen. Tornadoes happen. Loss of property happens. Loss of job. Sickness, trouble, hardships, they all happen. But the greatest tragedy and pain of all is death. That is why we were cursed with death in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned because God knew the greatest punishment, it would be death. And it's not just at death, leaving this life, leaving your family behind, leaving your world, leaving your, everything that you knew and everything that you experienced behind and going to eternity, but you would go downward in a horrible place. That's the punishment of death. That is the fate of mankind that when you died, your soul went to the underworld, either the place of torment or a place of minimal comfort. But Jesus Christ came preaching and teaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> what does that mean? You think about this, the kingdom of heaven, heaven, nobody is in a heaven. Maybe Enoch, maybe Elijah, but nobody goes to heaven. You're died and you're carried by the angels to someplace far from God, a place called Abraham's bosom. But Jesus came preaching and teaching that the kingdom of heaven is available. He told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said things like, the day will come when those who are dead who will hear the voice of the Son of Man and live. Jesus Christ came preaching and teaching the resurrection. And not only that, but he showed himself alive to his followers. And I believe that soon the sky will open up, heavenly clouds will descend upon the earth, and our resurrected Lord will be seen by every eye and he will catch his church away. This is our great hope. But sadly for this world, so many are like this rich man and his brothers. 
that even if one were to raise from the dead and speak to them, they wouldn't even hear it. Abraham said, have them look at the Bible, the teachings of Moses, the law, the prophets, all of the scripture. If they won't believe that, they won't believe that somebody even resurrected from the dead. The spirit of doubt and fear is in the earth today, but the Lord is calling out to anybody who will hear this message and hope of the resurrection. He's calling out to the world to open up their eyes and to see the resurrection signals that happened, that we read about in the Bible, and that are happening to this day. I know a man who was resurrected from the dead, and his name is Lee Stone King. It is real. It is true. Just recently, I was on a, a Facebook Live uh, presentation with our local church here, and I asked the people, send us a quick comment. If it had not been for the Lord, you should be dead. And I mean just instantly dozens, just bam, right here. If it weren't for the Lord, I would be dead. That right there are resurrection signals. I mean, everywhere I look on the news, I'm hearing about somebody who had some type of out-of-body experience. They almost died. Hearing about what people are dreaming about, what's happening in their soul and spirit, you can't deny that there is an afterlife. You can't deny that there is a spiritual eternity. And in every religion, it talks about these type of things. But in every religion, eternity seems like something to be endured. But for the Christian, for the apostolic Pentecostal, eternity is something to look forward to. It is something that we hasten. It is something that we desire. It is something that we hope for. It is so special to us that for us, really, the only hell we want to ever experience is what is experienced here on this earth. Our only hell is what's on this earth. But our true reward is in the heavens to come. And then there's the opposite for the unbeliever of the resurrection. Their only heaven is this earth. Their only heaven is this earth. And because they doubt the resurrection, they will one day live forever in the place where there is no resurrection, but the place of death, the lake of fire. It's real. It's true. But I've got good news for you. There is hope beyond that. And it's the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to follow him. you got to follow in his footsteps and do what he did. The Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross. You can experience this type of death through repentance from sin. Quit your sinning. Sober up. Delete your porn. Go back to your wife. Go back to loving your children. Stop stealing. Stop lying. Stop your sins now. That's how you put yourself on the cross. That's how you do it. It's denying your flesh from sin and following the path of righteousness. Jesus was buried in the tomb. We're not going to bury you in a tomb, but instead we're going to bury you in a baptism tank. 
and we're going to bring you out of it. Trust me, we won't let you drown. (laughs) But you need to drown those sins and wash them away. You need to be completely made new. You've got to be immersed in water, and you've got to be done in the name of Jesus. That's how you're buried with Christ. And then you got to be full of the Holy Spirit. That was the first initial great sign that God gave the church. It was not the casting out of devils. It was not the healing of the sick. But Jesus said the great signs will come to them. They will speak in new tongues, Mark chapter 16. And that happened in the book of Acts chapter number 2. That's how you arise with the Lord. That's how you resurrect in new life. It is to be filled with his Holy Spirit by the sign of speaking in other tongues. That is the beginning of your salvation. And then you walk with the Lord faithfully for the rest of your life as a disciple. And where Jesus is, you can be there also in paradise with him. And ultimately, in the final manifestation of the kingdom of God with the new heavens, the new Jerusalem, the new earth, all of that. This is the resurrection. This is our hope. This is our joy. And it's real. It's real now more than ever. Don't doubt it. Don't fear it. Believe it. Study it. Become it. Experience it. God is alive. And he wants to be alive inside of you. Podcasting is the future, and I hope I have a future in it. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level.